Welcome to the Disability Parenting Podcast, where stories unite, community thrives, and validation is paramount for parents raising children with disabilities. I am your host, Lexi Emery, and I am thrilled to have you here today. Today, we are delving into a topic that hits close to home for many of us. We are talking about holidays unfiltered, the realities of disability parenting during the festive season. So, the holidays are often portrayed as a magical time filled with joy and warmth, but for parents of children with disabilities, the reality can really be quite different. In this episode, we're shedding light on the unique challenges our families face, from societal pressures to navigating family dynamics and everything in between. But fear not, we are not just here to discuss everything that is hard. Throughout the episode, we'll be here to explore practical strategies. I'll be sharing some personal stories and things that have helped us, and then hopefully just a dose of inspiration to get you guys going through this season. So whether you are a parent on a similar journey, a friend seeking understanding, or just someone curious about the different experiences of families, you are in the right place, and I'm so happy you're here. All right, so I decided to record this episode because it's just heavy on my heart right now. I absolutely love the holidays. I always have. I think they're just such an exciting time of year to look forward to. And I know that there's going to be so much joy and sparkle and delight in memories, but there's a lot just weighing heavy on me right now. And that's going to be a couple different things. But for me, that looks like anxiety. It looks like overwhelm and grief. So for me, the anxiety kind of stems from my daughter having time off from school and therapy. And am I excited to spend extra time with my daughter? Yes. Am I dreading how much she is impacted by a lack of structure and activity and consistency? Also, yes. We as a family just struggle with this a lot, even on the weekends, just losing that consistency and structure and all of that. Even weekends can be really, really hard and feel chaotic. Um, And again, my daughter just like thrives on having things done the same way. And so, yeah, you throw in a two-week vacation or not surely not a vacation, but a two-week break. It is so, so, so tough for us. So yeah, I just get like anticipatory anxiety going into that, just thinking about how in a lot of ways that's going to be really challenging for us. And then there's the overwhelm piece. So we have this mental load as parents and I think it's already an overdrive again for all parents this time of year, but add in disability parenting and it is just on another level. So it's thinking about things 10 steps ahead. It's having plan B, C, D. It's, you know, making sure you have food that your kid will actually enjoy. It's bringing all the supplies and the G-tubes and the equipment and the backups and all the things. It's planning for accessibility and access to places. It's about planning that conversation in your head about how to handle Aunt Betsy, who is just having allergies at Christmas dinner, but you in reality know she is sick and 
how that might impact your medically fragile kid. It's trying to keep a schedule and not allow thoughts of regression to creep in while your kids aren't in therapy for two weeks. And then let's not forget our friend grief. So grief has a funny way of showing up during what are supposed to be really happy times in your life. And for me personally, these hit really hard on holidays and birthdays and trauma anniversaries. And in day-to-day life, I am able to cope a lot better with things like comparison and seeing some of the ways our family is different as like beautiful and unique. And I believe that truly. But man, when the pictures on Instagram and social media start flowing in of all the kids, you know, going to Disney on ice and visiting Santa and just bebopping effortlessly from here to there and all of that, it can be really hard for it to not become consuming. So all this to say is this time of year can feel both heavy and magical, both overwhelming and joyful, both exhausting and life-giving. And I just wanted to share this with you guys in case you are feeling this too and can relate. And again, a huge part of why I wanted to produce this podcast is just to have that like, oh, me too. Like I totally get that. Or if you don't get that, maybe being able to have a little more empathy for what it's like this time of year for a lot of parents raising children with disabilities. So I am going to just go ahead and kick this episode off. I'm just going to go through first a list of things that can be tough and just kind of chatting through some of the the things that you guys sent my way on Instagram that are hard for you guys. And just we're going to chat about those. And then, like I said earlier, fear not. We have some coping strategies, some tips, some hacks, some things to hopefully alleviate a little bit of the holiday pressure. So we are going to go ahead and get started. Okay, so the first one is going to be social expectations and pressure. So during the holidays, there's often an increased emphasis on social gatherings, parties, family events, and parents raising children with disabilities may feel pressured to conform to these societal norms and attend these events, even if they are not well-suited or designed for their child's needs. So for us, a personal example of this is things like visiting Santa. I've mentioned before, my daughter has autism and visiting Santa is like her worst nightmare. So crowds, let's say we go to a mall to visit Santa. Crowds, lines, waiting for her is so, so, so hard. So waiting in a line to see a weird man she doesn't want to see to begin with is torture. Um, and then again, it's like the act of like trying to get her to, you know, participate and take a picture and yeah, just things like that. That's like, you see so many kids doing this and it feels like something you're supposed to do, but it just isn't a good fit for a lot of our kids and certainly not all of them. And I know it can be a wonderful experience for a lot of families. And then another one is just like Christmas events through school that are outside of school hours or that are, you know, changing their routine or during a different part of the day that, you know, they're used to doing something else. 
just having that change in the, again, the extra sensory input, just all the extra stuff going on that can be so hard and overwhelming. And yeah, I just want to validate that like the fun things can be really hard sometimes and it's okay to struggle with that. I know that I certainly do. So moving on to the next one, and this kind of like ties into what I just talked about, but it's the sensory overload. So a lot of holiday celebrations involve sensory stimulus that is just so much more than what is typical. So a lot of bright lights, loud music, crowded spaces, and kids with sensory sensitivities common in a lot of our kids who have disabilities might find this really overwhelming and lead to discomfort and stress and the opposite of what we're going for. So for this, it looks like loving looking at Christmas lights, but hating crowds or being stuck in a place for too long. So my daughter actually loves like visual stimulation and like she loves bright things and she really enjoys Christmas lights, but you know, it's going to, let's say, zoo lights or something like that. And there's tons and tons of people and loud music. And again, just aside from events too, just like the the get-togethers and all of that, there's glasses clinking, there's, you know, loud talking, there's music, there's cooking in the background. There's so much going on. And for a lot of our kids, it's really tough. And I'm not going to lie. It's really tough for me too. I really struggle during the holidays as well with, let's say my kids are home on break and, you know, in a perfect world, we're trying to bake cookies and listen to music and the kids are having a fit and there's just so much going on. It can also be really overwhelming for the parents. So there's just a lot of sensory input and Again, it's okay to feel overwhelmed and it's okay to figure out ways that work for you. And I'll go into that more in the second part of this episode. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's a huge part of what can be challenging during the holidays. So the next one I have is the financial strain. So the holiday season can be financially stressful for any family But children and families who are raising children with disabilities face a lot of additional expenses related to, you know, specialized equipments, therapies, caregiving needs, just the excess of medical bills. And, you know, you're having all this going on all year long, or a lot of times it's even more so at the end of the year with like the end of insurance year and things like that. And it can feel like a lot to then add all of the holiday activities, the presents, the, you know, cute pajamas, and then this and then that. It's a lot. And I just want to validate how hard that is. And that can just add some like pressure and stress to what's going on during the holidays. So I think that that also is one that impacts a lot of our families. So moving on um, oh, this one's uh, this one like is interesting to me and has hit me at like different stages in our journey. Like sometimes it's harder, sometimes it's easier. But anyways, choosing accessible and age appropriate presents. So selecting gifts for children with disabilities can be challenging. So accessible options 
oftentimes feel like therapy tools. And, you know, I think a lot of us are always thinking through that lens of like, can this double as, you know, like helping them with fine motor or gross motor or things like that. I think that can take away from the just excitement of a gift and the pure like, I'm getting this because they just absolutely love XYZ. And I'm not saying that that can't happen, but I think there's that aspect to it. And then I think there's an element of grief for parents when they are buying gifts that don't necessarily align with like a typical age or developmental milestones. I think things like that can be tough because it's a reminder of maybe where your kid is at versus where you thought they would be. Or maybe you remember at you know, six years old getting your first American Girl doll and let's say your six-year-old now like is not the slightest bit interested in dolls or or doesn't have the motor skills to be able to play with dolls and is much more into light-up toys and stimulating like sensory toys. And I think there can be a lot of grief in that and it's okay to feel that. So much of this episode is going to be centered on the concept of like holding grief and gratitude at the same time or challenge and being able to like find the joy and things like that. And I think that choosing gifts can kind of fall into that category really well. Like it can still be exciting and fun and thinking of ways to like bring delight to your child, but it can also remind you of some hard stuff you're going through. So moving on, we're going to chat next about limited accessibility. So not a lot of holiday events or venues are designed to be accessible for individuals and children, especially with disabilities. This can make it super hard for parents to find suitable events and activities that their kids can participate in comfortably. And this is true a lot too for, you know, the Christmas dinners, the, you know, Hanukkah events, the whatever your holiday event is with your family, there's a lot of houses that are not accessible. So they're not going to have a way to get a power wheelchair into the house. They're not going to have, you know, let's say your kid is vent dependent or on oxygen has tubes and G tubes and all these things. They might have a dog running around that just is totally unaware of the tubes and the cords and it's not safe. And that's hard. That's really, really hard because all year long, we're reminded that the world was not designed for people with disabilities, but it becomes, I think, a bit more pronounced during the holidays when everyone's kind of doing the same thing and it's easier to look around and kind of compare. So for us, this isn't as much about necessarily accessibility, but for us, my daughter having autism, like she is a big sensory seeker and she really, really loves like her thing, her like true love in life. We call them her trinkets. So like she loves just like little small figurines and she loves going through books and she often accidentally rips pages and things like that. And so it's really hard to try and sometimes bring her to events where it's like she's going to get into so much and it feels really overwhelming to be like no don't touch that no don't play with that chess set no 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 don't don't do that and it feels 
hard for the parents and I'm sure it feels terrible for my daughter. Granted, I feel very blessed that my family has done a really wonderful job. So both my grandparents and my um, mom at their house, they both have separate spaces for our daughter to kind of decompress. And I'll go into that a little bit later, but there are options and it just takes a lot of communication, which I know is tough. But again, I think it's just that like piece too of feeling validated that it's hard, you know? So uh, moving on to a tough, tough one over the last couple of years with, you know, the pandemic and everything going on, it's health and safety concerns. So parents of medically fragile kids and kids with different disabilities face just this ongoing challenge of keeping their kids safe from illness. So this is not new. This goes all year long, but I think there's added pressure and decision fatigue when deciding whether or not to bring kids to events or stay home to minimize the risk of exposure. And that is such a hard place to be in as a parent. So my daughter was born in 2019 and she was in pretty rough shape that first year. So chronic lung disease and she was on oxygen the whole first year and just very susceptible to illness. And it was exhausting trying to figure out what we felt safe doing, what was too much, what was worth the risk, what wasn't worth the risk. And that was just so pronounced during the holidays. And then we got thrust into COVID pandemic. And again, that was just like times 10, trying to figure out what holidays were going to look like. And the thing that's so interesting about a lot of our families is we've lived like people did in 2020, well before the pandemic and well after. This is oftentimes a part of our life for a long time. And again, I think it is just so much more pronounced during the holidays. And I just want you to feel seen and known. That is tough. That is a tough place to be in. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is when we set these boundaries or we say like, you know, we're not going to be able to make it to Christmas dinner this year. We just don't feel comfortable. Like not only is that part so, 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 so hard, but then there's this element of like, that's not even what we want. So it's like a twofold challenge. Like we are having to do the hard thing of setting a boundary, but it's for a boundary we don't even want. We wish we didn't have to set that boundary. So anyways, I could go on and on and maybe I should, maybe I should do like a whole episode on this, but let me know if you guys are interested in that. But yeah, tough, tough part. So, all right, we are coming to an end here on the struggle stuff. Okay. So we're going to get into like (laughs) solutions and tips and hacks soon. But the last one is just family dynamics. So family dynamics can be complex and tough during the holidays, regardless of your children having disabilities or not. But a lot of like bringing extended family together is just a lot. You just have to consider a lot of different things. And I think a lot of well-meaning relatives may not fully understand or be equipped to support the needs of a child with a disability. And this just adds to a lot of stress 
for the parents. And I think this can look a lot of different ways. I think it can come out in a lot of questions. So let's say you're not seeing your aunts and uncles very often, and this is the one time a year you see them and they're face to face with you and they've been thinking and you know wondering these things all year. And now that you're in their face, like they're able to ask you all the questions they've had. How long will they have a G-tube? How, like, will they talk? Will they walk? You know, like all those questions. Oh my gosh, that is like a lot at Christmas dinner. And I, I really genuinely think that it's a lot of times based in curiosity or things like that. But I think people forget like how hard it is to answer those questions. And most of the time we don't have an answer. And so, yeah, I think just all the different family dynamics and personalities and things like that can just be tough. Okay, everyone. So now that we've kind of touched on a lot of the like pain points and things that can be really hard, I want to just try and give you guys a couple ways to mitigate some of these things and to take care of yourself and hopefully just some tips and tricks that might help. And if not, at least spark some ideas for you that might help with your family. So the biggest one, I think this is like such an important part of all of this, and that is just having open communication. So just having, again, that just like very open source of communication with the family and the friends and about your child's needs and limitations. So this can really help to set realistic expectations and then hopefully foster understanding and compassion. I mean, that's the goal here is for people to kind of like step into our world and understand. And I know that's really tough when they're not living our life, but if you can explain to them why this is so hard or why you're setting a boundary or asking for accommodations, I think it's a lot more likely that they're going to be understanding and things like that. So I know that's tough because it feels like we're doing this all the time and it feels like extra work, but I do think it has great, great value. So there's that. And that's just kind of like overarching theme of kind of all of these is that communication piece. But The next part in this, again, just kind of leads and plays into each other is planning ahead. So planning holiday activities that take into account your child's sensitivities and preferences. And this might involve choosing, you know, quieter venues or creating a quiet, safe place for your kid to retreat to when needed. So this is the one I wanted to touch on for us personally that I feel just like really thankful for that my family has been able to do. And like I said, my mom and stepdad's house and my grandparents' house, they've done a really wonderful job of having a space for my daughter to be able to go to when she's overwhelmed or just needs space. So in my grandparents' house, they have a front room that when we go over there, they take down all of the, you know, breakable items and their CPAP machine and like all the stuff she could get into. And they leave out this like huge pink duffel bag full of toys and stickers and activities. And we kind of stock that room with like both my daughter's favorite beverages and we set up an iPad so that if my daughter is overwhelmed, 
and she hands me the iPad and we let her watch a show for half an hour and calm down. She can go to her little space and it's so sweet. The last time we went over there, um, they both my daughters laid on the bed. They watched a show for a little bit and then they were just quietly like coloring and playing with dolls. And if they didn't have that, they would be so much more overwhelmed. And same with my mom's house. They have like kind of a combined room. It's like half a gym, half a their toy room and playroom. And again, it's just such a nice way for my kids during holidays. And truthfully, I catch myself being like, oh, I'm going to go check on the kids and getting a little (laughs) reprieve myself. Um, I used to do that a lot when my daughter was breastfeeding. I'd be like, oh, I got to go feed my daughter. I will be back just so I could have (laughs) a little quiet time as well. Um, But anyway, so yeah, it's just about planning some of those things ahead and communicating and and truly just like asking for some of this stuff. And I know not everyone can designate a room and kid proof it and make it, you know, exactly what it needs to be. But again, we can try and we can come up with different solutions. So uh, moving on to financial planning. So I think this, the biggest thing is just budgeting and financial planning well in advance of the holiday season to alleviate that stress and that like bottlenecking of income and all of that. So again, that's like potentially budgeting, you know, some like padding, like there might be that medical expense or that ER trip and trying to like have that extra buffer. And this can look like looking for community resources or support organizations that might help, but it also might look like you know, saying, hey, this was a heavy year for medical bills, or we just started a new therapy and we didn't hit our deductible and things are tight. So instead, maybe buy and looking for them at secondhand stores. So here in Colorado, we have, um, it's called Once Upon a Child and Kid to Kid, and they're secondhand toy and clothing stores that have really, really nice stuff and good toys and great clothes for like a fraction of the price and things like that like being okay with you know getting toys secondhand instead of you know bought at target for five times the price and things like that so again and this is just gonna take some effort up front and some planning but i think it can really help to not feel that strain during the holidays if you can plan it ahead when you're like feeling refreshed and kind of being able to like look back at your year, I think you're much more likely to be able to like stick to a budget. All right, let's see what we have next. Okay. So this next one is a little tricky and I think it can have, again, like deep value and be really great, but it does require some effort on our part. And it is just going to be specific to your situation, but this one is educating family members and friends about your child's disability and sharing information about how they can be supportive and inclusive during family gatherings and knowledge is power. So this can be hard because you don't want to spend your time in the holidays giving everyone a crash course into your child's rare disease or disability or things like that. One, because that's just a lot. And then two, it usually leads to a lot of questions. But I think when people understand more about our children and their needs and their limitations and their desires and their things that light them up, I think it can be really, really helpful for them 
to be able to understand like why we need the accommodations to understand like these different parts. And again, it's not, I don't know, I was going to say it's not a responsibility. And in some ways it's not like, it's not my responsibility to explain to the cashier at Trader Joe's. I shouldn't even say Trader Joe's. They would never do this. <laughs> They're angels who work there. But, you know, just like at the grocery store asking invasive questions, it's not our responsibility to have to educate everyone. But I think with family members, it can go a long way. So for us, what this looked like, and again, this wasn't necessarily holiday related, but I think it really helped my family understand our daughter in our situation a lot more. So when she was diagnosed with autism, um, we sent out an email to all of our family and closest friends and just explain kind of like what the diagnostic journey was like and then more about her specific diagnosis. And then we went into a lot of like what autism is and we sent books and resources as options for people to read. And then we highlighted like what that means for our daughter. So I won't go into what that all means for our daughter, but what is hard for her? What sends her over the edge? What helps her? What, you know, things like that. And some like holiday specific ones is we explained that our daughter has a really hard time when people are grabbing for her attention. Like, come here. I want a hug. Come here. Come say hi. Come, you know, blah, blah, blah. All the things that like just sets her off and is really, really hard for her. And we have found that if people just you know, acknowledge her and are, you know, obviously kind and welcoming, but give her her space. She will come to you when she is ready. And so explaining that kind of stuff, that's so helpful for people to know, as opposed to like a lot of people's intuition is to try and grab their attention and be silly or whatever. And I think like, it's just a powerful example of like knowledge is power and like knowing what is helpful and the family has to be receptive to this. And again, I feel really lucky that I felt like my family and my friends really embraced that email. And some of them went on to read more books or read more resources or ask questions and they'll kind of process it in a different way. But again, it just, I felt like help put us all on the same page. So that is an option. I know it's a lot and it can feel kind of daunting, but I think it really can be super helpful. So moving on to creating inclusive traditions. So this is my favorite one. I think this just kind of like, I don't know, you can't see my face, but I'm smiling really big right now. It just like gives me a lot of hope and makes me feel good. So establishing holiday traditions that are inclusive and enjoyable for your child and the whole family and this might involve activities that cater more to their interests and abilities in creating a positive and memorable experience instead of like, you can make memorable experiences, but they might be terrible. So again, this for us is like, we are not going to go to the mall and wait in line to see Santa and do the whole thing. But last year we found something that was a great alternative and like really checked all the boxes for the experience we were hoping to have. So we found, um, it was called Sensory Santa and it was at a therapy center that does, you know, speech and OT and PT. And they invited kids who have, I don't remember if it was just autism or sensory processing disorder or what, whatever it may be, but, um, they invited kids 
to come and have like a very low simulating meet Santa event. So what it looked like is you come in and they said, hey, the whole center is open and staffed. So your kid can go into any of the rooms and play. They can jump on the trampoline. They can play with any of the toys. They can, they, they have like free reign right now, which is like a dream for my daughter. So, and then they said, we're not going to have you guys wait in line. We're going to, you know, get you guys on a list and then we'll send you a text when it's your turn to see Santa. If you're ready, come on over. If not, we'll put you back and you can try again later, whatever. And then they had Santa like in its own room and it was quiet and we were able to take our daughter in there. And I, you know, asked her, do you want to go closer to Santa? And she would say, all done, all done, all done. I say, okay, like we don't, we don't have to, you know, sit on Santa's lap or do any of that. That would be really hard for her. And I said, sweetie, do you, is it okay if mommy holds you and we can go, I'll stand behind Santa. And it was really cool because a lot of my family came, some friends came and we got this picture with Santa where I'm holding my daughter. She feels safe. She feels comfortable. And we got to like have the experience and it was so wonderful. So to share that because there are things like that out there. Are they easy to find all the time? No. But if you look, they're out there. And Another example of this is a lot of times like big zoos or things like that that do zoo lights, some of them will have a sensory night. So for our zoo, they have, I believe it's on New Year's Eve on the 31st, they have a very low sensory night. So that means like way less people can attend. So smaller crowds, they turn down the music, they turn off the like flashing and the like strobe lights and all of the things that can be like really intense and then they had like little pods where you can go and like recharge and things like that so I don't know just there are options out there and I think as society becomes more aware of inclusion and things like that more of these things are popping up which again just like gives me hope and like really just makes me feel like the warm and fuzzies so yeah, I just wanted to share some of those in case they have them in your area. And again, you're going to probably have to look, but um, they're out there. So, right. Next one is seeking support. So this one's pretty obvious, but trying to find like-minded people who are going through the same thing as you. And for me, what this looks like a lot of times is support groups online. So, I'm not a big Facebook person, but I love me a support group. I am in a lot of different ones and it took me a long time to like figure out my preferences and like make sure I'm not seeing too much of triggering things or hard things or whatnot. I don't know. I've dialed it in. I'm happy. (laughs) I love my support groups. And I actually found one that is so cool and I'm so excited to share it with you guys. I will um, link it below, but It's a Facebook group called A Very Special Needs Christmas, and this has just tons of tips, tricks, and gifts ideas for kids with disabilities. So obviously, it's like parents on here searching for these types of things, and I looked at it this afternoon. This is what I found in like 10 minutes. Uh, wheelchair poncho recommendations. A person posted the sensory hammock rocker that they absolutely love for their kiddo with autism. There was 
all sorts of like adaptive equipment. I thought one of the coolest ones I've seen was adaptive bubble wands. Like, oh my gosh, I love that. You're not just going to find that at Target, but you get on a support group with other families who this is also their life and their passion and you're going to find the coolest stuff. And yeah, just like absolutely thrilled (laughs) when I found that. Um, But yeah, so just again, if it's not a support group, maybe a friend who is going through something similar to you or family, even if they don't totally understand, they can still be a huge support. So just seeking that out and being proactive about it. All right. I'm going to touch on this next one just very briefly because it's thrown in our face all the time as parents raising kids with disabilities, and that is self-care. So it's one of those things we know, we know, we know, but it's so important to prioritize and like take care of yourself physically and emotionally and just think being the best version of yourself for your kids. So I was listening to a different podcast. I'm actually going to link it down below later, but it's about having a calm Christmas. And they talked a lot about like, do you want your kids to remember this like stressed out, frazzled, dressed version of you and have a ton of presents? Or do you want your kids to look back and remember how happy you were and how delighted you were in the little things. And that is not easy to do, but if we can like take care of ourselves and we can prioritize just having space or taking that like extra long bubble bath. And I've talked about this before. I'm not saying that showering and bathing is self-care. That is not. But if you make it luxury and add in a beautiful robe and spa music and salts and all the things that can be (laughs) self-care but yeah I just think that's so important this time of year for our kids to be able to enjoy as much as they can and that means us doing our part to be our best selves for them so for me what this looks like is this is like such a goofy name but it is what it is it's I heard it and now I can't on here and it's scheduling in elf days so that just is essentially between you know thanksgiving and christmas scheduling in half a day here and half a day there or an hour here an hour there to tie up loose ends to go grab all the stocking stuff oh my gosh go grab all the stuffing stocking stuffers oh my gosh it's like 10 o'clock right now. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Uh, anyways, it can look like um, taking a self-care afternoon. It can look like laying in your bed and doing nothing. It can be any of those things, but schedule them. Schedule them, schedule them, schedule them. That is the important part here. If you don't schedule it, it will not happen. Things will come up. Prioritize this for yourself and it's huge. Okay. So, all right, guys, last one, last one. Um, and this is a big one and I struggle with this one a lot, but it's being flexible with your expectations by nature. I am a person that sets my expectations very high. And then I often feel disappointed and this has been my whole life, but especially since having kids, I struggle with this a lot and especially at the holidays. But I 
think just being flexible and understanding that not every holiday is going to be ideal or perfect. I mean, it's never going to be perfect. So just throw that word out the window, but it's okay to prioritize your well-being, your child's well-being over the societal expectations or your own expectations. For me, what this has looked like is being flexible during the week of something. So for instance, Halloween this year, and again, this is like trickier for like Christmas specifically, but for Halloween this year, I was watching my girls' Halloween costumes the day before Halloween, getting everything set up. I had their candy bins out, their buckets, and um, my daughter, Elle, came out to me and she wanted to put on her Halloween costume. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's a big deal for her. She hates putting clothes on and taking them off and things like that. That's like a huge <laughs> trigger for her, actually. So I was like, oh, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. So we put them on. My other daughter saw her and wanted to put hers on. And then they went and grabbed their buckets. And I was like, girls, do you want to go pretend to trick or treat? And we went out and we just walked around the neighborhood and we ended up having two neighbors be like, are you guys practicing? Come, come up, come up. And like, we rang their doorbell and we practiced and we'd been like practicing a lot and doing like a lot of <laughs> trick-or-treating role play for my daughter to help her like understand the concept of trick-or-treating and all of that. Um, but anyways, like we had the best time and I was like, you know what, if this is all we end up getting and tomorrow on the actual holiday, it doesn't go well, so be it. This was so fun. It was low pressure. It, my daughters loved it. They got, you know, five pieces of candy. That was good enough for them. They were, they were, you know, got bubbles and they were happy as clams. So like, again, the expectation would be that Halloween go perfectly and you're out with all the kids and this and that, but like being flexible and like letting things go a different way and accepting that is huge. And again, such a struggle for me, but I'm getting there. It's been five years since we've had our daughter. And again, just like each holiday, I try harder <laughs> to like have this part be true for myself. All right, everyone. So listeners, that wraps up this jolly episode of Disability Parenting Podcast. I do want to try and end on like a really joyful note though, because we talked about the hard stuff, but like the holidays are still incredible and they're so, so, so much good. And I don't want to take away from that, but I wanted to share just my favorite little thing that is happening right now in our family. And this is just like a story about joy and cherishing very small things that feel like huge and are like defining our holiday season right now. So up until the past six months, my daughter Al has been mostly nonverbal. So she has some language, she has some signs, but this last six months, like her language and verbal communication has exploded. And so this time last year, I could watch her experience some of these joys of Christmas, but she wasn't able to explain it to us. She didn't have an AAC device last year. She didn't have some of these words and expressions and signs that she had last year. So all of a sudden this year, she is saying and doing these things that she's 
telling me and like showing me the joy. So something she's doing right now is when we like put up our Christmas tree, we put a star on the top and she runs up to it and points and goes, oh, star on the pop. And we'd never heard her say that before. And it's so flippin' cute how she says it. Instead of top, she says pop. And it's so cute. And then she'll say things like, oh, happy, happy, and pointing and looking at the lights. And it's just like, that is what's carrying me through the holiday season and reminding me like, oh my gosh, that's huge compared to last year. Like the, the, the just like magic of that. And I don't know. I just really want to like also share so much of like what is beautiful and what is joyful. And I hope that you're able to find a lot of those things too, because they are there and sometimes they're obvious and sometimes we have to really look for them. But when we find them to like cherish them. Okay, guys, that is a wrap on this episode. I hope it was helpful and helped you feel seen and validated. And again, like I hope at the minimum that that just sparked some ideas for you. And yeah, I am just so grateful you listened. And if you enjoyed this episode and if you're enjoying the podcast, I would love if you subscribed and left a rating. That is how people find us. And I would just love to reach as many parents as we can. Um, so yeah, to all of you, thank you so much for joining your presence truly means the world to me to stay connected. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at disability parenting pod there. I'll be sharing updates on future episodes, real and raw posts that are sure to make you feel known and seen. Also feel free to shoot me an email at disabilityparentingpod at gmail.com. If you have any topics you'd like to explore, or if you're interested in being a guest on this show. Thank you so much for being a part of the Disability Parenting Podcast community. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes and remember, your story is our story. Until next time.